This is George Newbern, the voice of Superman. This is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman. And you're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming at DCAUReview.com and on your favorite podcast app. Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. Wait, he's very fast. Yeah. The world's greatest team of heroes has finally come home. Home sweet home. To Justice League. Not so fast. All them heroes is in the house. Just watch. Welcome everybody to episode 251 of the DCAU Review. I am one of your hosts, Cal. With me, my good friend, good brother, the man that runs our Twitter account. It's Liam. Liam, welcome to episode 251 of the episode, uh, just one week after our landmark 250th celebration as we took a look at the Clown Prince of Crime in Volume 1 of a Joker DCAU character spotlight. Encourage anyone that hasn't listened to that uh, that episode to check that out in the archives at DCAUReview.com on your favorite podcast app or perhaps on the pod tower on youtube liam we have turned the calendar page and thus we are looking at a different series for this month we are back in the wider larger world of the dcau looking at the justice league and justice league unlimited uh we have an exciting one for our listeners this week absolutely we'll be looking at as you said cal justice league and jlu for the rest of the month of March, some really big fun episodes to talk about all month too. And we're kicking off with a pair of justice league episodes, that being uh, secret society parts one and two, which is a, uh, it ends up being kind of a big linchpin episode as far as setting up some stuff in the final season of JLU. So a lot of, a lot of stuff uh, comes from this episode. So excited to get into it here. Absolutely. And uh, for the listeners at home, this episode originally aired on Cartoon Network here in the States on uh, November the 22nd, 2003, meaning uh, we'll be celebrating the 20 year anniversary of this episode's debut. If you didn't already feel old like Liam and I, you will (laughs) feel older this year as we celebrate this. uh, This this episode is almost legally allowed to drink in most of the United States. So uh, there you have it. Uh, but before we get into our full review for this week, we of course have the official IMDB synopsis brought to you by the pod tower. Head over to youtube.com slash the pod tower and check out every one of our previous justice league and justice league unlimited reviews, along with dozens and dozens and dozens of other reviews and uh, bonus episodes. And on top of it, you get some great content from other DCAU content creators alongside our podcast head over to youtube.com slash the pod tower absolutely so this is the synopsis for secret society parts one and two which is written by stan berkowitz directed by dan reba with music by michael mcquistian and animation by dr movie co and that synopsis reads as such while the justice league is experiencing serious internal friction Gorilla Grodd carefully assembles a well-organized supervillain team to attack it. Mm. That's that's all right. I think that's, that's we only get one short of it. Only one synopsis, two part. Yeah, I, IMDb. I think for, because this second season of Justice League 
they started airing both parts on the same nights as mm-hmm. part of Toonami. So I think we don't get parts one and two anymore. Yeah, bummer. That's a that's a that's a L. <laughs> oh, wait, hang on. There is. I just found it. Yes. <laughs> All right. Surprise bonus part two synopsis. With the Justice League disbanded, its former members are targeted by the supervillains of the Secret Society. <laughs> All right. I think that's, I think the, you know what? The solid effort for both of those, you know, it completely redeemed itself by having a, uh, a second part there for us to, uh, to, to critique. But yeah, this is an interesting episode because we, uh, we start out with a familiar face, maybe, maybe not so familiar, uh, here on the show because we haven't reviewed some justice league in quite some time, as we mentioned, but a familiar face to those that have uh, been along with us the entire ride, or perhaps watch previous justice league episodes as we see none other than shade who is, uh, who's going around and he's, uh, he's attempting to purloin some sort of chip. It looks like a computer chip, I believe from some sort of uh, some sort of company. And, what did you know it uh there to stop him are two of our justice leaguers that being Jean and the green lantern John Stewart and uh as as the shade and his crew are attempting to uh, obtain said chip there's uh there's there's a little bit of uh i don't know a little bit of butting heads a little bit of uh kind of inability to communicate and John and Jean are kind of bumping into each other. They're not, not exactly coordinated. Tiny chip, big money. I got him. should have held back. I had him. Well, I'm not the mind reader, am I? Need a ride, handsome? Don't mind if I do. Kill, Killer Frost isn't the only uh, isn't the only frost only thing that's frosty in this episode. Oh, good. The interpersonal dynamics of the Justice League are also experiencing similar uh, side effects. There you go. I, that's uh, I like, love how you put that. But uh, yeah, so so Shade uh, is able to get away due to some the lack of uh, or the miscommunication between the leaguers. There's literal collision that happens between the two of them as they're attempting to uh, to apprehend Shade. Shade is able to escape through the aid of a rather large woman who is driving a Hummer that happens to meet him at his escape. Uh, And as as uh, as he does escape, Jean and John sort of point the finger at each other as to exactly who is to blame for the uh, the the supervillain being able to escape. And that sort of sets up our our, as you mentioned, our, our thread throughout the episode. But so Shade is whisked away and said Hummer by a woman who introduces herself as uh, Giganta and uh, Giganta mm-hmm. uh, leads him back in this Hummer to her place. Shade is very clearly thinking this is he's just hit the <laughs> jackpot, you know, mm-hmm. some attractive, large large in stature woman has uh, picked him up in her Hummer and is whisking him away for a night of, of romance, 
And uh, man, he's just he's so lucky. But of course, this is not the plan as she whisks him back to her place, quote unquote, which is a far out cave out in the the distant outer reaches of whatever city they are in at this time. And uh, much much to Shade's chagrin, as I said, there's no romance here at this at this hideaway. No, he's introduced to a group. Now I get it. You're trying to set up another injustice gang, aren't you? We call it a society. A secret society. Call it what you want. It won't work. I know. I've tried. Twice. What's that old saying? The third time's the charm. Gigantus friends... Uh, not only are are they not uh, they they not interested in him romantically, uh, but they're also probably not very nice either. As we see, uh, Sinestro, as well as the parasite Killer Frost, and uh, introducing himself lastly is of course Gorilla Grodd, who is making his return here. Uh, we we covered an episode, his origin episode, really, uh, not too long ago on the podcast last year for Flash Month, I believe. Mm-hmm. So uh, we see his return to the, the show here, and we'll get a little bit into it later, but he's developed some additional powers thanks to the accident uh, caused by the Flash that seemed to have wiped his mind. But uh, as if you recall, that episode ended with him very clearly uh, gra- grasping his banana in his hand and and making a, uh, you know, this this determined mean face. So we, we kind of knew he would be coming back at, at some point. Uh, but but uh, yeah, so at this point, uh, we kind of have the pitch that Grodd gives to the uh, to Shade about just exactly what is going on and what he's planning. Shade is quick to uh, to point out that he's been a part of a similar idea as uh, the Injustice Gang several different times and uh, at least twice before and uh, was unsuccessful. So he's he's immediately suspect and kind of scoffing at the idea. But Grodd has a uh, Grodd has a has a pretty big good sales pitch as to what he's looking to do here and points out that the other members of the team are are quite different than those perhaps that Shade has worked with before. Trying to get them to trust each other, huh? Not the easiest thing for loners, sociopaths, and psychos. Ow. Imagine the childhoods they must have had. Imagine what's gonna happen when someone makes them a better offer. None of us is in this for the money. Sinestro's sworn a blood oath against all Green Lanterns. Parasite simply hates Superman. Giganta's totally devoted to me. What about the other one? Killer Frost? She just likes to kill. And me? I suppose you got that figured out too. You're a master criminal, Shade. But you could be a master of the world. I've tried. I'll settle for where I am now. How are you going to feel in ten years? When you're still being chased around warehouses and rooftops, joints aching, lungs burning. This is a chance to rid ourselves of the League once and for all. To see how far we can go when there's no one in our way. The League's just so powerful. How do you stop them? By watching lots of television. Meanwhile, we have this juxtaposition of the the Justice League themselves, as you mentioned, not being able to work together. And uh, seemingly John Stewart calls a meeting of everyone together and 
he's got a plan to put in place here. He's got a he's got to whip this team into shape. Yeah, we get to see uh, John kind of play drill sergeant for uh, for these couple of episodes <laughs> here. Uh, at least he tries to anyway. But uh, but yeah, we, we sort of uh, after after he and uh, and the Martian Manhunter were unsuccessful in stopping Shade, he's determined that they all need to work better as a team because they're all sort of uh, they're all great individual heroes, but they uh, they haven't come together properly. So. All, all of the leagues maybe somewhat reluctantly agree, and uh, we, we get to see some of their training, which is a lot of fun. We'll certainly talk about that in visuals and animation a little bit later in the show. But uh, you get some some fun sequences here where it's clear things just aren't quite on the up and up. We see Hawkgirl kind of jump the gun uh, and uh, and actually uh, get exploded by a booby trapped robot, and it's not just any robot that these uh, that these Justice Leaguers are training training by, as as you pointed out, out Cal. Even when it's not a a Zeta Batman Beyond month, we can't avoid him anymore. Uh, and uh, we get we get the <laughs> Z eight robots here as the sort of prototype uh, of uh, training robots uh, here uh, fighting the Justice League. And uh, Hawkgirl attacks one as she is wont to do with her with her big honking mace, and this one unfortunately has been wired to explode, which frustrates her. But uh, Green Lantern, of course, is pointing out that well, Superman has X-ray vision, John's a telepath, so one of them could have told you if you had if you had held off. And we see kind of some other examples of Superman uh, training and kind of taking unnecessary punishment and sort of handling a situation all on his own impressive thanks but did you really need to take all that abuse? I could have used my mace on it if you'd given me a chance. And it never would have been able to lay a glove on me. When have I heard that before? Hey! They're making a good point. You've got to trust your partners. I do, but the fact is, I'm the invulnerable one. Every punch I take is a punch they don't have to. Are you saying we can't cut it? That's what it sounds like to me. Now hold on. We're a team. But we're not all equal. You can't deny that everybody, knock it off! We're going to keep doing this till we get it right. And he kind of lays down the law in a way that I, I it's, it's one of those ones where nobody's really wrong. Yes, they're, they're, they're pointing out, hey, we're a team. You need to rely on us and trust us. But at the same time, he's pointing out that we're not. And he, he actually says these words like they're they are not all equal. And and he needs to take more of the abuse. He needs to be kind of the tip of the spear. Because as he says, every punch that he takes is one that someone else who isn't invulnerable doesn't have to. So you can see it's it's on one hand in Superman's head, it's it's a very logical place that he's coming from. But if you're one of the other heroes, you can also understand where it feels like he's saying they're fragile or they're not on his level, which I mean they aren't, but but that's kind of the fun of of the team up, though, is that they're not uh they they need a they need they need to work together and then so that those those struggles sort of continue 
as uh, as they continue through their training and uh, the best part of that is when where when Batman clearly is so first of all Batman makes it very clear. <laughs> He, he doesn't want to do this. He has no interest in this training. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He thinks it's a waste of time. I, I would The have only training him. Batman wants to do is in karate outfits with those big uh, American gladiator <laughs> sticks that he hits Tim Drake with a bunch in the, in that one episode. Absolutely. That's the Batman. only training Batman does. True, true training. Absolutely. This is, this is beneath them. <laughs> it's a waste of time. And uh, at, I love it that the end of that first day, he's like, call me when it's uh call me when it's important not before i like <laughs> he's very it's like this is a waste of his time happy call me when it's important and not before this is this is this is not batman's jam i don't know why he didn't just pull the the part-timer card at this point like <laughs> you know hey i'm a part-timer part-timers don't train with the rest of the group you know right he's a he's a freelancer but mm-hmm. uh but yes after he makes his abrupt exit uh and flies off in the bat plane uh we uh we go back to the secret society as they sort of continue to plan this next heist and they they head to an a private island owned by uh, a man named morgan edge which is a fun little easter egg that's a character from uh kind of the the i think like the 80s superman Mm. Uh, he uh, he buys the Daily Planet at one point. And I think he also owns. There's a brief time, I think in the 70s and 80s, where Clark Kent is a news reporter and uh, like a TV reporter instead of a, a newspaper man. And mm. uh, he's the, uh, I think he owns the the station that Clark works for. So not really a lot to it. It's also the character that ends up turning out to be Superman's secret brother in the. Uh, oh, spoiler alert for <laughs> Superman and Lois season one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but has made made appearances in, in live action as well in the uh, the Superman and Supergirl series. Love but uh, but yes, but that's a fun little Easter egg there. So they head to this island and they're clearing out the guards, working very well in sync, as, as it's pointed out that they're as sort of the other side of the coin where the Justice League is not working well together and can't even train together properly. We have the Secret Society, who's this completely well-oiled machine and uh, as Grodd kind of points out to Shade, uh, none of them are in it for the money. They're all they're all going after uh, uh, this for for personal reasons, um, with the exception of Killer Frost, who's just a psychopath. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we so we kind of set that up, and I think that's kind of a fun sequence. But yes, they head to this mansion, and after clearing out some guards, they uh, they capture a uh, seemingly a chef which is fleeing the scene. But of course, Grodd is a little bit wiser to the game, realizing that it is in fact the billionaire himself, Morgan Edge, who tried to sort of sneak out uh, wearing, wearing the chef's clothes. Those darn but, alligator, uh, he... those darn alligator slides <laughs> wearing gave it away. <laughs> Great bit there. Yeah. I enjoyed that quite a bit, but uh, we, so then they take Mr. Edge back. They get him to unlock his big secret vault and, parasite and shade kind of note that they're walking past all of these gold and jewels and art so whatever's in this vault better be really important and it turns out to be a bunch of big uh, biohazard containers and as as giganta opens them up and spills out it's not uh, it's not just uh, it's not a chemical it's not any any sort of weapon technically it's clayface it's living mud clayface <laughs> that's right as, as they point out and uh so we have our final member member of the secret society introduced here as uh, as Clayface returns and 
it's at that point batman who's sort of still just out uh, flying around in the bat plane sees a news report kind of of the aftermath of the situation and uh and realizes that uh that some that he might realizes i guess he puts two and two together that clayface has been sprung and that's sort of uh that's sort of counteracted with uh, clayface being back at the hideout not really being sure if he fits in with this this motley crew as he's not a he's not looking to conquer the world he just wants to be normal but Garad sort of offers him something in his mind even better i'm grateful to you don't get me wrong but i'm not really one of you see all i want is to be normal again and give up all your power i can offer you the best of both worlds yeah right this is giganta she was a lovely child don't you think I could do that for her think what i can do for you which is if he if he gave him the ability to sort of control his powers at will and and points out a fun wrinkle which this is one that i would never have remembered if i did not watch this episode today yep. which is that giganta used to be a gorilla from gorilla <laughs> city <laughs> yep and grod turned yep. her into a human <laughs> no explanation either of why or how that was i mean is that a is that comic book is that canon like comic book canon did i have to look that up i always just thought she was a big lady (laughs) agreed yeah that i did not i did not remember that being at least dcau canon before so uh tweet us this week if you're a if you're a giganta expert from the dc comics i'm talking about here people Mm -hmm. tweet us (laughs) tweet us and let us know if uh if that's uh if that's canon if you want to interact we're not asking to read your fan fiction of the big lady from that resident evil game just please please (laughs) anyway Uh, wow this one got this one got weird uh so anyway yeah so with that uh that that apparently that promise of sort of genetic uh this genetic wonder that uh, that Grodd is apparently capable of that's enough to convince Clayface to join up with them and as uh, he they head to some sort of warehouse where some supplies are listed Batman shows up to confront Clayface and as the society enters we find out that Batman has called back up and we get our first big fight and uh, uh, needless to say it does it does not go well for our for the the heroic side of these uh, these two teams. It certainly doesn't. And unfortunately, the same issues that plagued the Justice League as they were training continue to plague them even further. I don't know if we mentioned it, but uh, there is this sort of ominous floating red camera, red and silver Mm -hmm. camera that keeps appearing in and around the Justice League's interactions that sort of. Uh, hanging around there and not really letting on exactly what exactly or who exactly is watching. Uh, but uh, of course it, you can put two to get two and two together to figure out just who it is. That's uh, that's observing and spying on them. But uh, as Batman is, uh, is able to stumble upon and, and locate Matt Hagen, AKA Clayface uh, in a warehouse, He is, of course, uh, jumped by uh, the rest of this secret society of villains that happen to be there with him. And Clayface remarks that he brought backup and Batman very sarcastically. He's very sassy in this this whole two sets of episodes, you know, whether it's the whole reveal that we'll get into part two of, you know, what's going on with all the leaguers and not being able to work together or 
perhaps uh, just he was having a he was just having an off day. Batman, Batman, very Alfred like in these episodes, real sass bag. <laughs> but, uh, very. But uh, as as he's real sassy, sassy back to uh, to Clayface, he reveals that the League also is there. So we get uh, the first battle between the Secret Society and the Justice League. And as you mentioned, it does not go well for the Justice League as they're, uh, again, kind of constantly running into each other and uh, stepping on each other's proverbial toes and uh, in some cases actually knocking into one another. And uh, they're, you know, Hawkgirl leaves leaves Wonder Woman to fend for herself in order to check on uh, John and. Uh, it, it all comes to a head as as the the league ends up really uh, ending up having their tails tucked between their legs and getting their getting their behinds handed to them. Uh, after the afterwards, the villains uh, end up escaping um, and uh, and and leaving the Justice League there, sort of with their proverbial mouths agape and sort of wondering what happened. And it's very quickly established that they are going to blame one another for their faults. Uh, they start pointing fingers and and yelling at each other as to who's responsible for allowing the villains to to get away. And uh, Superman even mentions in the midst of this fight that he's considered leaving the Justice League, which uh, sort mm-hmm. of makes everyone sort of stop and gasp. So much for practice makes perfect. I thought we were practicing teamwork. Not one guy tells everybody else what to do. Somebody has to be in charge, and it couldn't very well be you. You know, I'm getting really sick of... Will you both shut up? I've had better luck handling whole armies. And you know why? Because I didn't have to worry about anyone but myself. Then why don't you go back to that? You think I haven't considered it? This whole stinking group was your idea, and now you don't want to do it anymore? You men. Unless you do it on your own, it doesn't count. It's not just the men you stuck up... Stop it! Stop it right now! I arrived here not knowing a soul, and you took me in. You became my new family. But what's the use of a family if it diminishes us as individuals? What? What are you... I'm saying I survived the loss of one family, and I'll survive this one too. out that the the justice league was indeed his idea and if he didn't need them all why would he even start the team and uh jean actually interrupts and it appears that he's going to be the cooler head that prevails but he's the one to actually establish that he's lost a family before and and survived and he's perfectly okay with losing another one and it's at this point he turns his back and walks away from the rest of the group. And that's where we get our, our cliffhanger ending. And let me tell you, if this was, if this was a a week in between both parts being played here, what a heck of a cliffhanger this would have been, you know, the justice league is basically the justice league. No more. We get, we get the (laughs) the breakup of the, of the superhero team here. Uh, Boy, what a what a great way to to end the first episode. But of course, we get the uh, the follow up immediately afterwards. Here is we see uh, we see that uh, the surveillance of the Justice League is being continued, and we we learn that Grodd is the is the one that is responsible for it. 
Uh, we also kind of get the reveal right away as to what exactly is happening with the Justice League as as uh, as Grodd re- reveals that the accident that uh, was involved with the Flash that had seemingly wiped his mind ended up giving him these psychic abilities. So he no longer needs the the helmet that he had in the previous episode. He's able to kind of control people uh, with just his mind. And uh, he's also able to manipulate people's moods. So he gives this big exposition I was, piece. I was going to say, it's a little bit like, because at first I thought that's all he could do was do the mood thing. Mm-hmm. But then he clearly also can read people's minds and 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 influence them a little bit as well. So He also sends I guess, out I guess it's one of, <laughs> Right. So I, I guess it's one of those, pow- that those types of powers are you can do what you need him to do for the script for it to work. So I'm I'm not, I'm not knocking it. It was just, it was just at first I was like, Oh, that's kind of an interesting wrinkle that he's more of like a, an empath. Like he just affects emotions mm-hmm. and like heightens aggression, mm-hmm. but then it's, Oh no, he's, he's, he's pretty much garden variety psychic supervillain by the, right. by the end of this, but just fine. It's just seemed to, I think it would have been more, maybe a little bit more interesting to just have it be more of a, a more subtle uh, mental power for him. Well, there's nothing subtle about the way that he acts the rest of the episode. So <laughs> he's very over the top. We'll talk about that in both voice acting and then some of in some of our visuals later. But uh, yeah, so he he reveals that he's been sort of influencing the leaguers. Shade sort of wonder, you know, wonders aloud how uh, how he could have made the Justice Leaguers act so differently. And Grodd reveals that it's, it's not uh, not really making them act differently, just sort of lowering their inhibitions. So these are all natural, actual feelings that the Justice Leaguers have had. He's been surveilling them for some time, which that's that's one of those things where spoiler alert for the uh the the call of batman beyond Mm -hmm. where where starro reveals that he's been living on on superman for decades or whatever it is it's like that doesn't you that that doesn't that didn't happen that that can't be that doesn't make any (laughs) uh but this one where he's like oh i've been surveilling the justice league for a long time you mean nobody noticed the giant floating red the guy was super hearing didn't know mm-hmm. that there was a giant camera following him around. The, the most paranoid man in the galaxy, Batman, didn't right. didn't pick up that he was being surveilled. Right. I don't know. And then and then he apparently we only find out because uh, you know as, as the the post breakup uh, section starts here, as Green Arrow is is talking to Hawk Girl, who kind of you know that they have their big falling out, and she flies away from him, and then the the thing just hovers like two feet from his head, and then he finally notices it. <laughs> He's like, "What's this thing?" Oh yeah, yeah. That's where we we got to get the the realization that they ha- are being watched. Uh, but uh, yeah, we we get the reveal here. As I said, that the the Justice Leaguers kind of do have these feelings, for, uh, and that they're actually natural, but. Uh, we get our we get our kind of kind of I love this bit here. We get uh, our first hero that we interact with in the episode is the Flash, who is uh, out on the town looking for uh, any information that he can get to find Shade. And uh, he actually pulls a Batman. He does a he does an interrogation bit <laughs> with these two thugs that we saw in the very first scene, where he drops a guy off of the roof in order to try and get uh, information for him. Moments prior to that, the the guy was scoffing him and questioning what he was going to do to him, and uh, they were sort of making fun of him and and not at all threatened by him. But of course, as the as the Flash drops him off, the guy's willing to uh, to share the information. But uh, the Flash then contacts Batman. 
and uh, and asks him to meet him. Uh, the Flash actually uh, arrives at a at a abandoned subway station, and uh, he he's actually uh, attacked by uh, by Clayface and uh, and or Sinestro, I think Sinestro, yeah, Sinestro first. Sinestro, yes. Yeah, Batman gets the radio from from Flash to tell him to meet him at this station. Turns out it is not the Flash that is meeting him there, though. Is Batman the world's greatest detective? Deduces by the fact that. Uh, that he that the flash calls him yo that uh clayface <laughs> overplayed his part a little bit and batman's able to discover right away looks like i didn't need you after all yo but you can help me tie him up catch ah! the real flash would have been too fast for that gave me away you overplayed your part yo everyone's a critic so up next that's when we get john who's discovered after just having this conversation with shaira about the uh about what's happening and what's going on uh he even kind of shares his deep feelings for for her mentioning that he would he would die for her he would put his life on the line for her uh she has been expressing she's none too happy that he's been ordering them around like soldiers uh so she ends up flying away a little bit up, upset and that's when he discovers the the camera flying behind him uh he then uh, seemingly tracks that camera and trying to find out where it's leading to and we cut back to hawk girl who gets a radio transmission from john who says to meet her at the training facility so shaira and and the rest of the leaguers all meet up there but we learn very quickly that they've all uh they've all got different stories as to who told them to be there and why yeah it gets it gets it's very clear uh pretty quickly that they've been set up and in fact their their training uh training system has been turned against them as machine guns and more uh, more zeta robots start attacking them and then of course the uh, the society comes after them and once again just kind of overmatches them and uh, and and, and uh, Superman is nabbed by Parasite once again and and Wonder Woman and Hawkgirl kind of overmatched the League are still not getting along Superman kind of unleashes at one point with his heat vision and and actually dings Hawkgirl's wing in the uh, in the process and and he's not uh, he's not particularly apologetic about it either so it's a very uh, it's a very uh, interesting scene there. And yes, they're, they're kind of overmatched. All of the leaguers kind of fall one by one, except for, of course, Jean, who is uh, fighting with Clayface, who is also transformed into Jean. And as uh, they have a, a very cool shapeshifter fight that we'll talk about. Uh, finally, Jean has seemingly been caught and Clayface transforms back into himself and uh, and then announces that Killer Frost and tells Killer Frost to freeze Jean before he can do everything else, and it uh, it seems to work. And uh, all of the league, with the exception of uh, of John, who is who is kind of as you said, cop- copped on to what's going on, and is following the signal of the uh, of the of the camera that he found. Uh, they take all of the league back to their hideout, and they're kind of setting up this big final. Uh, 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 event they're going to they're going to kill off the justice league in in grand and spectacular fashion um if at not it's not the super bowl for legal reasons it's not the super bowl <laughs> but it's the big game but 
that's right. But as they're sort of discussing, uh, you know, and that's actually mentioned again at the, at the end of part one, I think of, of Grodd's, Grodd's larger point is that it can't, they can't just kill the Justice League. There needs to be some theatricality to it. They need to let the entire world know that uh, that they've uh, that these are the new rulers and 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 masters of the world and and so they're going to do it in this grand fashion and uh, John uh, Green Lantern has meanwhile made it into the base and is sort of trying to spy on them and try to figure out something to do and but of course as mentioned Grodd with his uh, his psychic powers uh, sniffs that out pretty quickly and as as, as John's able to distract the, uh, the society by sending a, a decoy with his ring a cool little powering construct there to uh to try to distract them he's uh he's still grabbed ultimately and 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 stopped and and now it really seems like the league is in dire straits as they've got them all restrained and uh as mentioned uh we we have a uh, clayface kind of mentioning that he wants to uh to to, to off them now he doesn't want to wait because he uh he uh, he kind of he does the he points out it's a very meta line where you point out where the villain always waits to uh, to kill the hero and it always comes back to bite them. And, uh, and it will in this case as well, as we, uh, we get to our, our big final stage, we have a, a, a big football, the big game as it is called <laughs> often in advertising for people that don't want to pay to say Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, uh, we have, uh, we have the big game where a, uh, I, I, is this Britney Spears knockoff? I'm trying to figure out if this was like based on a specific pop star who's performing the halftime show. Yes. I think, I think that's pretty fairly obvious that it would be okay. Spears knockoff. Okay. Which is interesting. Cause it's like 2003, which I feel like is post that era, but whatever, it's fine. Um, so we're, <laughs> so we, uh, as, as, as the society arrives and in grand fashion and, People go, uh, the, the the performers all go running in terror. Uh, Grodd sort of makes this grand introduction that they're going to, they have all the leagues strung up and they're attached to some sort of device that's going to kill all of them in one foul swoop. And as promised, he's going to let Clayface uh, flip the switch and, and send them all to their doom. And it's at that moment we get a twist so good that i can't believe i forgot that it was the twist <laughs> uh which is that clayface this entire time was actually john jones we say it's time for a new order but it can't arise until the old one departs ready for your close-up mr Hagen? tricked us. You froze the wrong one. Grodd's been messing with our minds. Great. How do we fight it? We get over it. That's how. This isn't exactly the show I had in mind, but in a way it's going to be even better. Don't forget your training. that he shapeshifted into Clayface and then had Killer Frost freeze the real Clayface before he could speak or transform back. Uh, so he breaks the machine and frees the League. And uh, we get our, our final showdown here as, as good guys and bad guys in the middle of a football stadium. 
and uh, we get a big uh, knockdown drag out fight. We'll certainly talk more about this in visuals with some some pretty fun wrinkles to a different different villains and heroes pairing off. We find out that Shade has learned Kung Fu, which is a, <laughs> which I thought was a really cool to no avail bit. to no avail. Yes, <laughs> not he's not good, but he does know he knows how to throw a big kick now. Yeah, uh-huh. um, and so we have we have him and Batman paired off. We see Superman and Giganta pair off, which is fun because. When Superman kind of finally has her dead to rights, she hits him with a pretty classic, uh, you wouldn't hit a woman, would you? Uh, <laughs> at which point, uh, Wonder Woman flies in to, uh, to alleviate Superman of having to make that, uh, that difficult moral choice. And uh, that sort of sets up as most of the League is taken down. Clayface is, uh, is giving everyone trouble. And we actually do finally see a little bit of teamwork from the League as Flash grabs like a bunch of... Uh, weapons grade fireworks i guess yeah and uh and hawk hawk girl light, lights them all with her mace and 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 uh, clayface goes shooting off into the sky and uh and it all kind of comes down to this one final confrontation uh a very silly confrontation i think in some ways but between uh between grod and superman is our is our ending but we do get a pretty fun moment to end on Yes, we get, uh, as the aforementioned telekinetic powers have indeed reared their ugly head here as uh, Grodd has overwhelmed Superman. Superman, I will will say, uh, maybe because he was weakened by Parasite at various different points, it, mm-hmm. maybe it makes a little, you could explain it away that way. Uh, Parasite did zap his powers on multiple occasions throughout the episode, so uh, perhaps he was somewhat weakened, but uh it appears that Grodd is ready to uh, to do away with Superman, but of course, as you mentioned, it's uh, it's quite silly to think that uh, the Man of Steel, the most powerful of the Justice Leaguers, and uh, the man who was ta- bragging about how invulnerable he was just earlier in the episode, uh, is in fact not able uh, to be overcome. He he talks about how the pain that he's feeling uh, as as Grodd is sort of. Uh, pontificating about how uh, he's about to feel more pain than he's ever felt before in his life. And uh, Superman simply lifts up his finger and does a flicking motion and says that he's felt worse flicking Grodd through, through the uprights. It's good. It's good. In in American football, three points for that, uh, that flick there. So, uh, and that is, uh, is, as they say, is that, and we do get sort of a, a postscript here as the leaguers, uh, as the crowd goes wild, the leaguers uh, have a, a a brief interaction there to discuss just what in in the world is going on and how they're going to continue as a team. Woo! Back in business, aren't, aren't we? A lot of things were said. Yeah, but that was all mind control. We didn't mean. We meant every word. So what do we do? All we can do is say we're sorry and move on. And uh, Flash tries to, to explain it away, uh, but uh, they're they're all very quick to to mention that no, these were these were actual feelings. Things were said that were true, and they meant all of them. Uh, but the way to get over them, John says, is to uh, is to apologize, say we're sorry, and and move on. And then we uh, we have a fade to black. So uh, as a reminder, this is uh, this is prior to to the Starcrossed event, of course, mm-hmm. uh, happening. So uh, you know you're laying some some seeds of of 
of sort of dissension here in the ranks. Um, some interesting things there. You know, these there there's some real there's some real adversarial feelings between the, the between the leaguers and uh, yeah, it's 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 a uh, an interesting way to go out after you have this big bombastic. Uh, probably to this point in the series, maybe the most going on at on screen at one time, at least as far as like individual super characters, like they'd already done Savage Time where you had all the planes and, mm-hmm. and soldiers and everything. But as far as like, you know, whatever it is, 13 or 14 different costume characters all fighting on screen at the same time, you go from that to this, this very quiet moment where they, you know, they all kind of, put their heads down and walk out of the arena together as the crowd kind of keeps cheering. It's, it's, it's an interesting way to, uh, to end it there. Um, I guess we can get to our thoughts about plot here. I, I enjoy this one a lot. I think it's, it's such a fun concept of an episode. Mm-hmm. One seeing the justice league train together is fun and, and then kind of go through a boot camp, you know, being put through by with John playing the, the drill sergeant, as we said, I think that's fun. The idea of a a more serious, I mean, the, they point out that there's been other supervillain groups that have tried tried this sort of thing before, but that they're they're more single minded in their quest. They're they're a bit bigger in their uh, in their aspirations. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's that's kind of a fun idea, and the fact that they're working together like a well oiled machine while our heroes can't get out of their own way. I think that's kind of a fun fun sequence but um i also yeah i i guess i'd have to it's one of those things that comes from us not watching these shows and orders we've obviously jumped around quite a bit i'd have to go back and see like are there are there instances of like the leaguers not getting along prior to this episode because it does feel it does feel like we just kind of invented this as a problem for this one episode and then we don't really revisit it directly ever again. Yeah. It feels like it was something that was, that was sort of laid out as a, as an interesting concept, but yeah. I mean, maybe if there was an idea later to do like a, to, to borrow from, from Marvel cinematic universe, like a civil war Mm -hmm. type thing where you have a infighting between the group, but you don't really, you don't really have, the infighting between the group that's followed up on it's i mean we get the secret society play on later on in in the third season but you really don't you don't get the idea that these characters have strong dislike for each other or resentment towards each other in any sort of way so that that is a little bit disappointing that it feels like that that's something that's touched on here it isn't resolved in the episode very well they're like, oh, we're going to say we're sorry and we're going to move on or move forward or whatever John says. But it yet yeah, I think it's an interesting concept, but because it, it isn't that part of it isn't really touched on later, you don't really get you don't really get a payoff for what this is. So it's like not exactly believable, I guess. And yeah, and I, I don't to answer your question, I don't remember there being a lot of other than Batman being like a loner and not wanting to really be involved. I was going to say the one moment I could think of is twilight where Batman pulls Superman out through the boom tube. And then Superman tells him he's not always right at the end. Um, Like that's there. I'm trying, I was trying to like think of other moments leading up to this episode. And there's like the justice Lords episode. I think like Superman and flash argue a little bit, 
but there's yeah there's not like a there, i don't know it feels like this type of episode it, as fun as it is just as a concept because of all the you know all the toys we get to play with so to speak in this episode i feel like maybe if this had been seeded a little bit better because you think about things like even within this episode you know there's a seeds planted as you mentioned for the you know the the green lantern and, and hawk girl romance which are going to be paid off later on in the season so it's not as if they were adverse or or unfamiliar with you know putting little seeds or planting seeds for for future episodes certainly not by this point so yeah i guess that's my thing if there if there'd been a little bit more or i mean this is probably asking a little bit too much but if they had if we had seen these little cameras floating around a few right. times before this episode right. i think that would have been really neat but again that's a lot of that's hindsight a lot of that's you know that's again depending on a lot of these episodes were probably being written at the same time so other than the big broad strokes like a green lantern hawk girl thing it may be a little bit harder to have that sort of episode to episode continuity but it's just yeah it's just things i thought about while watching this it's one of the things i think when you pull it back and look at it more as a uh as a shared universe it maybe hurts this episode a little bit more than it helps because you have to think about all the episodes that came before and all the episodes that come after. Um, that being said, I still think it's fun. I still had a good time with it. Um, I, I ended up settling on a seven out of 10 for my plot score. Yeah, that's the, that's the same. That's the same score. I gave it also seven out of 10. I think, um, I think some, I mean, people will probably point out they, they do touch a little bit on the, the Diana and Shaira sort of, uh, butting heads a little bit in the episode too. I guess you could point to that because that obviously is very uh, is is really followed up on in in Starcrossed and then in the the first couple mm-hmm. seasons of Justice League Unlimited, where Wonder Woman has always had this sort of mm, icy, I would say, is probably relationship with her. So, not that this is the only episode that establishes that or that it was. Mm-hmm played out in depth in a whole bunch of episodes, but there was always sort of a somewhat cold, cold relationship between the two of them. You don't really get much of, of Jean talking about, you know, not, you know, being willing that, that to me is the most shocking part is <laughs> where yes. you know, John turns his back and I'm, I'm willing to, to lose this family too. I'll get over it. Um, especially with the way that he sort of acts later on in the, in the, in the rest of the series. But I guess you could also argue that when he goes off on his own and disappears, he does kind of uh, exhibit that ability to, to lose this quote unquote family when he establishes his own, his own life later on in, in the later seasons of, of unlimited. So uh, I, I guess people, you could argue it both ways. I think you, you're onto something mm-hmm. you're right. I, I think that either prior establishing previously establishing a a some of these you know rough patches that the the leaguers would have interacted with or had issues with probably would have made this feel a little bit more uh, impactful or following up on with some of the things you know relationships continuing continued to be somewhat fractured later on which there was no real evidence of that other than maybe hawk girl uh, and and wonder woman but there's a bigger event that plays into that also to your point <laughs> though it's fun it's the equivalent of you know 
dropping a whole bunch of your action figures on the floor and just we're going to mash them together and play and, you know, just see what happens. It's it's a lot of fun. Um, I think the 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 choice of villains for the uh, for the society is certainly an interesting one. It's not that mm-hmm. wasn't all the cla- like, obviously, a, a lot of the big classic ones that you think of with the Legion of Doom were used for, you know, the Injustice League in, in, in the uh, in the first the first couple of uh first couple of episodes there so you the fact they didn't just run everybody back again and you have some of these other guys that uh giganta obviously was in the super friends so was uh grod was too i believe was grod mm-hmm. grod yeah, because he goes i'll shoot you in the future that's right <laughs> in that one episode <laughs> but then you have some of these other guys i mean sinestro obviously also but mm-hmm. then you have, you have you know you have shade and you have Clayface and parasite and and uh killer frost so you have some of these other characters that didn't quite get that same shine and uh and get an opportunity i love killer frost did we mention kills ed morgan edge like, oh yeah <laughs> she, she like they don't show it but she gets they talk about how she's a, a, a psychopath she they leave him to go into the vault and she just they cut back to her and she's got this devious face on they don't they don't you don't hear anything you don't see anything but then we cut to the next next scene where she, they're all regrouping and she talks about how he's never going to be a you know a, a clayface is, is sort of wondering how somebody could keep somebody as a as a as a part of their collection a, a, a living being as a part of their collection and she she remarks that well he he won't be bothering anybody ever again what kind of guy would lock somebody up and keep him as if he was property edge was sick honey but you don't have to worry about him anymore nobody has to so and he's not the person that they go and question <laughs> that batman questions when he's uh he's looking for the whereabouts right. of Clayface could be so very 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 interesting uh, bits there, but yeah, it's it's fun. The the final battle taking place on a you know on a on a football field, American football field, uh, during the halftime of a of a knockoff Britney Spears is is pr- pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty solid. A lot of fun to 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 be had. And if you just like some some bad guys fighting good guys, this is uh you get plenty of plenty of opportunities for that in this episode. Yeah, very quotable episode too, as you pointed out, with uh, with a lot of sassy Batman dialogue, as you uh, as you mentioned. So, yeah, there's <laughs> definitely a lot of fun to be had in this in this one. So, if I yeah, if we if I haven't adequately praised it, that's that's more just because I think most of my notes were about things I didn't like, which uh, sometimes that can happen. But yeah, I think overall it's a fun enough episode. Yeah, going with the cast they did is interesting. Like Sinestro they they established that he's he's been around before but this is the first time we ever see him and john stewart interact mm-hmm. and i don't think they say three words to each other nope so a lot of and, construct constructs from sinestro right. fighting fighting john in fact if i'm not mistaken the only time they do is in a static shock episode uh, that's the only time they actually like speak to each other uh in uh, at least at any length so it's interesting there, uh, having having seen that character previously in Superman fighting Kyle Rayner, Green Lantern, and then bringing him back along, as you mentioned, with Parasite and uh, and and Grodd and and Clayface and other villains we've seen before. It's it is a fun, wacky roster of of, uh, of people that that they put together here. So yeah, a lot of fun to be talked about, and uh, that'll we can continue talking about the fun of that team as we we move on to visuals here. Absolutely. And as you mentioned, DR Movie Co. responsible for the animation. There's a lot to talk about specific 
sequences and things that I'm sure that we're, we're both going to point out just because of how action heavy the episode is. Mm -hmm. It's pretty much wall to wall action. Once we get going here, uh, almost from the get go. So just briefly talking about DR movie co, um, I will say there, the way that they, they animate certain sequences, especially the fight scenes and different camera cuts. And uh, you get some mm -hmm. really interesting point of view shots that happen from different characters in the midst of those fights. Um, I think that the action sequences are, are animated beautifully. So mm -hmm. just it, I mean, I can't imagine trying to trying to animate 13 different characters in these very unique venues uh, multiple times across two 22 minute long episodes, uh, the, the Herculean effort, uh, by this, by this animation team, I will say when the characters are standing still, or we get up close shots of them, or they are interacting with each other in non action poses, people are a little wonky looking, they're a little angular, yes. they're a little off model, uh, some, real cartoony faces and 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 sort sort of uh, at times more of the eastern animation leaning sort of uh emotions that they that they give off uh from their face facial you know responses or interacting with one another so as far as being on model animation i didn't think they did a great job with that that was took me out of a couple of scenes um as far as the, the non-action scenes. So great action animation and, uh, and, and not so great on the, on the other parts as, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. I had similar notes. It was that, that first scene where, where Green Lantern is kind of trying to sell them all on this idea of training and everyone's just kind of standing still on the rooftop talking. I was like, wow, everyone looks weird. Batman, especially I feel like, which seems like, I, I don't know. It seems like that's not one I remember being off model too often in this show, but like his, 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 like his head's a little flatter. The ears kind of stick out to the sides a little bit. And if this makes any sense, like his chin looks fine, but it's like a little bit off center. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, like it's not quite where it should be in like the middle of his face where the, you know, the middle of the cowl, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, yeah, I feel like there's some, there's some pretty inconsistent looks for, for Batman, for flash wonder woman. Um, and for killer frost also seemed to be one that they, they had a little trouble. Like, I didn't feel like I got a consistent look for, for her face in this episode either. Mm -hmm. Um, but like you said, it's, uh, within that you also have, you know, the, the shade effect, that comes out of his cane. That's an example, I think, of what I assume is some uh, some CGI assistance uh, enhancing the show. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of CGI vehicles in this episode, but they um, camouflage them. Yes, <laughs> it's all they, at night. <laughs> that's true. It doesn't look as bad. The only one that sticks out, ironically, is the one that isn't CGI, mm -hmm. which is bat the bat plane. It's the it's the it's the bat playing from new batman adventures mm -hmm. and it looks super weird to me because the like it does i don't know the animation of how it flew i think was and so i thought maybe it was poor animation but i don't think that is i think it was just everything else every other vehicle including this big hover thing that the, the secret society fly around on which actually i thought looked a little bit on the front it kind of has that forked like prong on the front I thought from a, there's one shot of it underneath looks a little bit like the uh, the Beyond Batmobile. 
Ah, okay. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. know if that was an intentional design choice or not, but that uh, that came to mind there. Um, but uh, but yeah, the bat. I thought the bat plane looked a little weird. But yeah, as far as yeah, facial. I think a lot of facial expressions. Ironically, uh, in an episode that's so much about like the emotions of the team, that it's the quieter moments that don't work so well, and mm-hmm. and the action. But as you pointed out, there's so much action in this episode that 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 didn't end up being too much of a detriment to the episode because even a lot of the the interpersonal fighting of the Justice League and stuff is done while they're fighting robots and giant green energy beings and 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 whatever and and the secret society. So you get a lot of fun stuff. Batman, uh, they throwing the electric batterings and how that kind of displaces Clayface. He kind of drops into a puddle right away. I think that's all of the Clayface shape shifting and then the, the sequence where they, he turns into uh, Martian Manhunter and they have their face off is a lot of fun where they're sort of slicing through each other and they're you know being torn apart and reforming over and over. Uh, yeah, some really fun stuff like the shape shifting stuff. You know, we always talk about how that that first TMS episode of Batman the Animated Series with Clayface set such a high bar for shape shifting in in 2d animation mm-hmm. um so i but i thought they the all, every sequence with clayface and and certainly the sequences where he's interacting with jean especially are really really well done to uh to dr movie co's credit and to uh director dan reba's credit as well yeah those those were standouts for sure um as you mentioned at when they light the uh, the fireworks and 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 clayface goes off sort of looking like a like a firework himself at the end i thought that mm-hmm. was that was pretty great also uh before before i touch on some of the things that i liked as far as the the actual action sequences i will say a lot of the set pieces you mentioned the the training facility the justice league use which mm-hmm. is sort of desert scape that looks like an old movie set you know an old western movie set or something like that i thought that was like a neat neat spot it's like mm-hmm. where are you gonna they don't have like a big facility on the on in the watchtower that they're they're using it's not some like crazy metal warehouse that looks like a a knockoff of the x room or whatever but you have you have like you have an actual you actually have an actual layout where they can go in in this open plane of wherever probably on some sort of wayne enterprises or wayne (laughs) wayne uh wayne tech uh owned land that they're they're out there doing their practices on i thought that was that was pretty awesome um i i did also notice i don't know if if you drew this parallel or not either but the hideout where the secret society goes to uh to to start things off which is in a cave there were certain elements that looked a lot like the batman 66 bat cave Ooh. Uh, you have that big gigantic thing that was like always in the background behind the the uh the batmobile the one that the the one villainous falls into at one point uh the big (laughs) nuclear like the nuclear it's like a nuclear Mm -hmm. whatever it is um but that that is one of the set pieces in the secret society cave that they're that they're hanging out in it's also a cave there's bats there um the way that they say bat i I saw the bats like as soon as they walk in, they they show that. So that's a that's a good that's a good shout. I and the way that. that they enter the Bat Cave is very or in, 
enter this cave is very similar to the way that the Batmobile would always leave the Batman 66 Batcave where you have this, you know, I guess in this case, it's more of a hologram or something opening up on the uh, on the side of this cliff, as opposed to like a, a trap door dr- dropping up and down. But it did it did have lots of callbacks to that. Obviously, we know the creators and the people involved in the show uh, were were influenced or, you know, big fans of that show. That was the Batman that they knew growing up. So it seems like too much of, an, of a coincidence for it not to be uh, somewhat influenced by that. But I will also point out that the uh, that someone decided that that the license plate on the Hummer that Giganto is driving should read Big Boned. Yes, I did have I did have that in my notes. <laughs> Big Boned. Got somebody's got a sense of humor there. Pretty funny. Um, but yeah, I I, I like I said I, the I'm the biggest critic of the cgi vehicles at times and i will hand it to them this time they camouflaged them very well by having them you know dark it's a dark ship and and it it takes place at night so uh they they you know at least adhered to to camouflaging as best as they could for uh for for my tastes and for for people that didn't perhaps like all of the use of the the computer generated vehicles but uh yeah i I, I think that the the fights between um, Sinestro and the Flash, uh, when the Flash discovers, you know, when he he's kind of doing his own his own thing and trying to find out where the secret society is, uh, there's a real brutal fight that takes place there. There's a lot of close fists to the face, <laughs> and a lot of a lot of brutal action between the two of them. Sinestro also. Uh, throughout as we mentioned makes a lot of really awesome constructs i was disappointed i didn't see if uh, i didn't see dcau wiki leave the uh, list of constructs that he makes but i noticed i i i was gonna say i had that in my notes like everything is like mean <laughs> he makes me yep. everything's like swords and knives and spikes and weird he has creatures. a demon he has a, yes. like this yellow demon and then like a yellow tiger that's attacked yeah, I, I think that tiger's a reused asset by the way i believe that's from batman beyond very interesting Be- which is funny because i don't really remember it from the batman beyond episode but i remember in the little pilot highlight reel they did when they were pitching mm. in the little little animatic that has impulse and robin in it uh, as as potential roster members, there's a moment where the Martian Manhunter turns into this cat. Interesting. So, so I'm pretty sure it comes from Batman Beyond. It could be Superman, but I'm pretty sure it's Batman Beyond. That's some DCAU wiki trivia there for you. That's right. <laughs> Actual trivia. But yeah, there's, uh, as we said, there's how many fights between the villains? You start off with this fight between Shade and uh and and john and john and then we have another fight that occurs between the villains we in and and uh and the uh the league we have a second fight that happens between between them uh in the second part and then ultimately we have a a a final fight between the all three of them once again so you have three or four different fights of various different levels of action uh you have these interspliced training things that are happening you have the action of the of the society invading this this island and uh, you know they're being they're attempting to break into this guy's uh you know compound and being met by these soldiers and people with guns and it's it's action from almost start to finish. And there's, there's so much that we could, we could notate, but uh, I, I think that going back to everything, I think it's having the final setting be at this 
football game and what a what a great set piece that is and having your your villains fight on this mm-hmm. big open football field um and being able to cut back and forth between you know the fisticuffs between each of these matchups of of villains and then switching villains with different heroes and i think it's uh it's it's great i i enjoyed it um overall even though as i mentioned there were some some wonkiness with uh some of the the animation at times i don't think that it completely took away from my score. It it definitely impacted it a little bit, but not where you would see it in an episode that didn't have this much action. So uh, I ended up going with a pretty strong eight out of 10 for my score. What about you? Yeah, I went with the exact same score. So we're, uh, we're two for two on matching up there so far, but yeah, for, for all the reasons we've talked about, just the logistics. I mean, we, we, we talked, I think back when we a long time ago, when we reviewed the pilot of justice league, I mean, just the the idea of when this series started of having to animate seven characters, uh, you know, potentially at one time in all doing different things was sort of seen as a a really daunting task. And especially now, I think once they went to the unlimited where you get really out of control with with (laughs) with that, it maybe seems like small potatoes here. But having this many characters and they're not fighting, you know, interchangeable, they're not fighting the same white alien model over and over or or robots even like they're they're all fighting these completely unique super villains at the same time and yeah those those couple of quick shots we get where everybody's kind of pairing off and you see you know flash dart into screen and he gets shot by sinestro and then wonder woman knocks sinestro out of frame and clayface is swirling around attacking batman at the same time like all of this happening all at once on on the screen with that many unique characters uh, is is no is no small feat and so the the fact that they did that multiple times all culminating in this in this big uh you know kind of top-down view in this big football field there they they did a did a pretty incredible job so just for the the uniqueness of how many uh unique characters they had to animate and keep involved uh in the episode at the same time i think uh they everybody involved deserves a lot of credit for that uh greed all right, Liam, let's move on to our next category, which is going to be music. I believe you mentioned Michael McQuistion responsible for this mm-hmm. week's soundtrack. Um, so I didn't think that there was any one piece of music that really blew me away other than I think the biggest note that I had um, was in that that scene where we're getting the parallels between the two teams as the Justice League are doing their training for the first time. And then the the villains are breaking into the compound. You get the dynamic of the the heroes who are running into their difficulties of of working as a team, but you still kind of get this this heroic theme that's playing. And then it's sort of cut off at the end when Batman decides he's going home and doesn't doesn't want to play anymore. Uh, but then you you switch over to the to the villainous side and you get this really heavy, uh, deep sounding soundtrack of of doom essentially is, is mm-hmm. kind of the, the the theme that's coming across it's like these guys are bad they're you're pretty much unstoppable your guns aren't going to do anything to stop these guys from making their way through here uh and and it's sort of that piece lends to that and we kind of get that theme come back in some of the fights later on 
Um, there, there is pretty much because there's wall to wall action. You also get sort of wall to wall music at times here. The, you know, some of the more quieter moments you, you, you know, the, the music is downplayed or, or not there as we have these discussions between the, the leaguers or they're beginning to sort of ruffle each other's feathers. But, um, yeah, I ended up going with a six out of 10 for music for this week. Um, again, I think that, that one scene that I mentioned was the the standout for me. And then, um, you know, with the action scenes definitely being punctuated by some, by some good classic justice league music, but nothing that stood out as like, this is the theme for the episode. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't disagree with anything you said. I, uh, I ended up going with uh, just five out of 10. So just one point lower. Um, yeah. Nothing, nothing really stood out to me a lot. The only moment I think when they, when they reveal the league, to uh to the the stadium at the end of the episode and they're sort of slowly rising out of out of the ground and they're all in these these restraint tube things they kind of play i thought they were going to bring in the like the justice league theme but they kind of bring in the superman theme mm-hmm. like a very like minor minor key um just for just for a moment there i thought oh that's kind of an interesting choice but then you do kind of set up the final confrontation if you if you look at the two head coaches so to speak even mm-hmm. uh of, of superman and grad at the end but i thought that was kind of an interesting choice but yeah i didn't i didn't have a ton else to say about music so i ended up just settling on my uh my five out of ten for this week all right Liam, let's move to our final category of the day which of course is going to be voice acting got a rather large cast we mentioned several times we have Seven heroes, six villains, and then some uh, some other ancillary characters here. So let's dive into this week's rather large voice cast. Absolutely. So uh, returning, we have Stephen McCaddy as the Shield, the Shield, the Shade. Uh, <laughs> we have uh, we have uh, uh, him him back this week. Kind of fun to have one of those Injustice Gang holdovers uh, back in the show, and he actually gets a little bit of play because. As you said, he's kind of the first villain that we see in the episode. And then he's kind of the, uh, I guess, the audience place there is where you can do a lot of exposition by having Grodd explain the uh, the whole group to him there. I think that's kind of a fun, uh, fun sequence. We have uh, Ted Levine or Levine uh, coming back to voice Sinestro, returning from Superman, the animated series. Um, again, not a lot for him to do, unfortunately, but uh, fun to have him back. Uh, we do have uh, replacing uh, the former Parasite voice actor. We have Brian George, who is uh, one of those utility players that does about a, a million different uh, voice roles on on various animation shows and and uh, and and uh, video games as well. Um, again, not a lot for these players to do. The the ones that get the most play are perhaps we have uh, the great Jennifer Hale voicing both Giganta and Killer Frost. Uh, she she gets a lot to do playing both characters um and to her credit like i think if you know her voice certainly like if you if you watch these shows if say you've played the the mass effect games where she plays the main the the female version of the main character and that uh, uh you you probably recognize her voice but uh they're different enough like like giganta has this really like like for lack of a better term, innocence to her <laughs> mm-hmm. that uh, that whereas, as we've said, Killer Frost's play is just this complete sort of unhinged, barely beneath the surface. There's just this raving psychotic lunatic. <laughs> and I think I think it, it comes through. So uh, always impressive when somebody plays uh, plays such uh, stark dual roles in an episode. 
Yeah, it, it, they are very, very different voices. And uh, we we get more, obviously, of, of the Killer Frost character voice later on as she plays a, a larger role in, in season three of Unlimited. And, uh, obviously, Giganta also comes back again, I think. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so we get we get both of those roles returning again. So um, it seems like Giganta had a little, maybe a little bit more dialogue in here. Maybe it's just a little bit more memorable because of the mm-hmm. lines that she has. Uh, that are a little bit more quotable, but yeah, it is a, it is almost impossible to recognize that they're the same person. So that's a uh, kudos, kudos to, to her for being able to differentiate them and playing a, a, a two different characters in the same episode, not being able to pick out that they're the, the same actress. If you, if you didn't know. So yeah, it's a, it's a, you have to differentiate too, because of their personalities. It, Giganta isn't quite a, an airhead bimbo, but a little bit is sort of what's <laughs> implied. Whereas Killer Frost, as we mentioned, is this sociopathic killer that, you know, just is bloodthirsty. So there has to be a, a differentiation there. And, and clearly, as we mentioned a couple of times, uh, she's able to do that. Absolutely. And then uh, elsewhere in our villains cast, we have a, a returning legend here, Ron Perlman, once again, voicing Clayface. Um, something that's kind of a theme here as we've as we've been talking about is uh, other than our, our 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 leader of the villain squad uh, I feel like because this is such an action focused two-parter mm-hmm. there isn't a lot of these characters to have sort of individual emotions but uh, hearing Ron Perlman back as Clayface and him uh, him getting to uh, to uh, play that role again is it's always fun to have a character come back from from Batman or one of the earlier series here to uh reprise that role yeah yeah i mean he is he's been the voice since the uh since the og so having him come back and makes it feel like it's the same character obviously we've talked about that before where the character may look different you know we haven't really talked about uh, because we haven't other than i guess world's finest we haven't and uh, a couple of the other superman episodes we haven't really had an opportunity to discuss the character changes in in that form here but uh with with whether it's the joker or two-face or whoever it is going through these changes and and how they were designed having the the same voice actor play them is important to making it established that regardless of what this character looks like he sounds the same so he must be the same person uh so yeah having having the great ron perlman come back and and voice him and uh, while he doesn't he doesn't get a lot of uh, a lot of important lines, I love the love him sort of sitting there after he's been uh, he's been freed from his canister prison and sort of wondering aloud, as we mentioned, this interaction that he has with with Killer Frost about how somebody could have the audacity to, you know, to uh, to hold somebody against their will. And um, yeah, so we, we we do get some some good Ron Ron Perlman. Always glad to hear him back in uh, in a familiar, familiar role. Absolutely. And then speaking of a familiar voice and a familiar role, we have uh, the late great Powers Booth once again playing Grodd here. And uh, like we said, he he gets the most to do because probably of anyone in the cast, hero or villain, um, as he's uh, he's he's got a lot of expository dialogue, but he's uh, you know playing the the master puppeteer across these two parts and, and then coming down to this final confrontation with him and Superman. Uh, He's fantastic. He's he's such he's so much fun in this episode. He's 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 very over the top. Uh, surprisingly, obviously, if you've watched Justice League Unlimited, killing the Justice League in the middle of a football stadium is one of the tamer plans that Grodd <laughs> came up with in this series mm-hmm. or in this universe. But uh, 
but he's he is a he's a little bit over the top maybe and in, in a way that but i think it works for this character because this whole point and he goes on this sort of rant when they're in the football stadium about how the reason that he hates the justice league is because they protect the innocent and that's that's against nature the the laws of nature and and the strongest should rule and and all of this so he goes on this really weird rant uh you know this uh He'd be a great YouTuber in modern days. He'd he'd have a lot of he'd have a big Patreon. Uh. Now that I have your attention, we've come to this arena because it's where the strong routinely defeat the weak. How you so-called higher primates revel in that? Yet outside these walls, you do everything you can to shackle the mighty and prevent them from fulfilling their destiny. That's all about to end. Just a small demonstration of our might. Not convinced? There's more. It is funny because he's sort of this calm, calm, collected, pulling all the strings, and then he gets out in public and he just loses it the second he goes out there, and he's just like, "You're all weak, and I, I must rule you." Like <laughs> he goes zero to one hundred, but somehow it doesn't feel unearned because uh, I think. I think it's just a joy listening to uh, to Mr. Booth in this role. Yeah, we I mean we talked about it in the in last year during Flash Month when we reviewed is the brave the brave and the bold right mm-hmm. the, uh, where he uh, he gives in that episode he gives that speech in front of all of the the people that he's mind controlling and telling them about how great it is to rule over them and we talked about there are absolutely no real world parallels to it. But <laughs> him talking about how like the the powerful are are like should be the one like the the powerful are are getting robbed of their role essentially like mm-hmm. when when will the powerful people catch a break you know when <laughs> when is that going to happen but hearing him him stand there and and declare this in front of all of these 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 people just again reinforces that idea and i mean to to his credit mr booth was playing a a a gorilla that you know <laughs> that a that was attempting to take over the world in various different fashions as you mentioned you know his d- idea of of uh defeating this this justice league was to to publicly humiliate them in in a football f- uh, stadium and uh and uh he didn't it's not his his performance is not with an ounce of irony like his he gives it his all it's it's a commanding powerful dramatic voice uh and even that interaction at the very end where he feels like he's about to best superman um you believe you believe that the man is is the voice of this gorilla so uh unfortunately we lost mr booth a few years ago but uh you know his his performances in the dcau uh, for for these early Justice League, and then as we mentioned later on in Justice League Unlimited, are some of the the best and most memorable lines that he has to deliver as this this gorilla with uh, with all sincerity. Yes, that's I think you hit the nail on the head there. The reason this works 
is because of how much he commits to it. And we've talked about that a lot over the years. We you know talked about a lot last week when we talked about Mark Hamill as the Joker. When you you know you didn't he he didn't come in treating this as even though the character does go very unhinged and over the top and it could venture into that sort of mustache twirling Saturday morning cartoon voice. It really never does. Like there's something there's something just still deeply weird and sinister about this guy <laughs> even when he's when he's kind of losing it at the end there. So uh, yeah, he's, he's a lot of fun there. And then of course, uh, rapid fire, cause we have all seven of them to talk about this week. We have, we have Michael Rosenbaum as the flash, George Newbern as Superman, Carl Umbley as the Martian Manhunter, Susan Eisenberg as Wonder Woman, Phil Lamar as the Green Lantern, Maria Canales Barrera as a uh, Hawk girl. And I will mention, she's also credited, I think at least according to IMDb is, uh, as the 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 little kid who says get him right before the fight starts so i wanted to mention that because that's a great moment um mm-hmm. and then of course the late great kevin conroy as batman um as we said it's really it's really powers booth's episodes mm-hmm. so um i think the the leaguers who get the most to do are probably phil lamar's green lantern uh kevin conroy is batman a little bit like we said he gets he gets a lot of the, the quips in this episode ironically um and uh and then a little bit of uh, of mr rosenbaum and mr newburn super superman's real mad in this episode he's unhinged superman <laughs> is is he's not holding back you know as we mentioned like i mean that's that's the the point of the episode the plot of the episode is their you know their inhibitions are are lowered but he's uh he's real proud he's real full of himself mm-hmm. he's real angry a lot of a lot of exasperation coming out and in his this, voice uh, the speech he gives about how we're not we're not all equal and they're not invulnerable i am that that actually is like a nice little shot and chaser with the uh the more famous uh i live in a world of paper speech that he gives dark side uh, mm-hmm. in the final episode of jlu like where he's just like like as great of a guy as superman is i think there's like there's like a realist inside at least in this this DCAU George Newburn voiced version, maybe not every version of the character has to have that in him, but this version of Superman clearly has a little bit of like, okay, when the chips are down, it's still got to be me. Right. Be me in the driver's seat here. I need to be the one, you know, taking the shots and, and everything there. So it's, it's and it's kind of interesting to see that that played up here. So that is, again, we were talking earlier about how many threads of this started before this episode or continued after, but I think that that does add a little bit of characterization to to this version of Superman that maybe wasn't there before. Yeah, that's a, that's a that's a fair perspective. I agree. Um, I I I do think there was also maybe some meta dialogue there where where Green Lantern asks him if he has to take so much uh, so much of the punishment, so much of the damage, mm-hmm. and that's his answer to that is when he comes back and says, "Well, I'm the invulnerable one." But it's like obviously though one of the big complaints well-established complaints from the fans that we talked about was how much of a weakling superman was and how much Mm -hmm. of a beating he takes in the earlier episodes of justice league so the fact that they sort of you know maybe poked a little fun at that it's like john was the was the audience like do you have to take all of this damage like what you're superman like why are you taking this damage and then the answer, of course, kind of bookending that at the end is when he, in order to defeat Grodd, he simply just flicks his middle finger at him. So, uh, you know, that's some some poetry there. But yeah, I, I think I think the lines that he gets to give, I think um, Phil Lamar as Green Lantern, you know, I'd, I'd give my life for you to, to Shaira. We could have been the greatest fighting force in the history of the universe. 
How do you walk away from that? You were asking too much. A little practice? That's too much to ask? You wanted us to stop being individuals. We're all just soldiers to you, interchangeable. You don't care about us as people. That's not true. I care. You don't care about me. What are you talking about? I'd give my life for you. You don't know what you're saying. I, that line is delivered with 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 you know expert dramatic um, conveyance. I, I think the way that he conveys mm-hmm. that 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 line is is superb. And then uh, you know as we mentioned, Kevin Conroy's quips throughout are are pretty strong also. And then Carl Lumbly as he's sort of as I mentioned the 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 one turn that you didn't expect where. Uh, Martian manager comes in to sort of break up the fight, but ultimately he's there to say that, Hey, he's done. Um, mm-hmm. I, I thought that that was pretty, pretty awesome too. So uh, yeah, great voice cast, great voice acting all, all across the board uh, this, this week. Um, you know, a lot, a lot of strong performances uh, from, from every, everyone involved, but uh, you know, powers booth, I think ended up being the, the main standout, but uh, everybody did did great i thought everybody was was really strong this week i ended up giving voice acting a nine out of ten and i gave it the exact same score um yeah i think uh and again this maybe was more back to plot i wish we would see the league apart for a little bit longer mm-hmm. so that it feels more exciting when they come back together but they're they break up at the end of part one the start of part two we see we see them kind of split off with Batman and Flash and then with Green Lantern and Hawkgirl, but then they're immediately almost all back together at the training sequence for the fight. And again, that's part of that much action and all of these different set pieces that they're in. Mm-hmm. So it, the episode moves very quickly, which, you know, isn't boring, but yeah, I would have loved to have seen, you know, Wonder Woman or, or what Jean or, or some of these characters were doing on their own and, and what, uh, you know, what our various voice actors could have brought to that. But Again, that's more of a plot note. It would have been it would have been kind of fun to see them apart for just a little bit longer. But uh, you know, time is money, as they say. So <laughs> you only you only had twenty two minutes to wrap this up. So that's right. Very good point there. But uh, yeah, speaking of wrapping things up, Liam, that will wrap us up for this week. So let's give our final scores. Totaling everything up, I end up with a pretty impressive thirty out of forty. What about you? Sorry, I'm trying to do math, man. <laughs> I think you were only one point. I'm one point lower. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And uh, given that we only had a one point difference in one of our four categories, I am just one point lower than your final score at a 29 out of 40. Uh, there you go. Uh, rewatchability. I think we've mentioned it about a dozen times that this <laughs> is linked to the Justice League Unlimited. The Secret Society will return. You might as well have had that as a postscript text reading so uh, i'd say yeah two thumbs up this is a uh this is a must watch for multiple reasons even though it's maybe the main thing of this uh dissension between the ranks here isn't quite played upon in in full array later on we do get we do get some of that played out with uh with the shaira stuff and starcrossed so uh, i will say yeah two thumbs up yeah absolutely and and like i said we we obviously had some critiques with the story things we would have liked to have seen a little differently but Overall, it's still a lot of fun. And like we said, it's uh I think if you're if you've been a fan of of superheroes and this universe for any length of time, how can you not just get a little excited when, you know, 
parasites fighting wonder woman and batman and superman are fighting clayface and then all these wacky little pairings they do like how can you how can you not have fun watching an episode like this yeah yeah you check your pulse because uh you absolutely might have expired if you're not all right liam well that will begin to wrap us up for this week thank you everybody for tuning in don't forget we would love your support for the podcast and you can do that a myriad of different ways we'll talk about some of the the easiest ways to do so subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app if you listen to us on apple podcast or spotify they allow you to leave a five-star review of the podcast we would greatly appreciate that if it allows you to leave a little blurb like apple podcast telling people what you enjoy about the the show we would greatly appreciate that too that helps us with the algorithms that get more people to listen to the pod uh, so we appreciate that that's a great way to support the podcast of course you can also follow us on social media at dcau review both on twitter and instagram we have a Facebook page that we never plug because we don't do anything with it. So if you are 65 years old and, and prefer Facebook, <laughs> go on there and like us on there. But uh, if you're interested in interacting with us, that is the easiest way to do so. Tweet us your thoughts about this episode, other Justice League episodes. You know, uh, we do a, a lot of fun stuff on Twitter and Instagram. So if you're not following us there, you're going to want to do that immediately. Of course, if you want to support the podcast a little bit more tangibly with your finances, uh, you can do that. You can support the podcast by checking out the show notes. There is a link there to, directly to support the podcast, or you can head over to anchor.fm slash review, and uh, you can click on the link there to donate to us, buy us a coffee or something like that. We greatly appreciate the. We have some some people that, that give us their hard-earned cash every single month, uh, so we... we thank our supporters that do support us currently and that uh, are willing to, uh, to pay us to do this for some reason. So thank you. <laughs> um, we also want to want to give you the opportunity. If you want to support the podcast by buying some merchandise, you can head over to DCAUreview.com and click on the merch tab or check the show notes as well. There's a link there. You can pick up a shirt or hat or mug. There's usually a sale that's going on. If you're looking at something and there's no sale, wait a couple of weeks. There'll be a sale that uh, that is offered there and you can, can get it even at a further discount if you'd like to. And of course, as we mentioned at the uh, at the top of the program, you can support us by following us and uh, and subscribing to our YouTube page, youtube.com slash the pod tower. We say it's our page, but it's not really. It's a shared page between us and the, the fine folks at the Watchtower database, as well as Tim Talk. So head over to there and uh, subscribe, like the videos as we post them each and every week. Every episode goes up there as well for your listening enjoyment. Liam, we are turning the page next week as we continue here with this month of Justice League and Justice League Unlimited reviews with another fun review as we, uh, I believe we are headed back to the Cadmus story arc with our with our uh, very timely review for next week's episode. Absolutely. We, uh, we will be pairing it just in time for uh, a Shazam movie, which I don't know if anyone's aware, but there's a Shazam movie coming out next week in theaters. They made it in everything. <laughs> and uh, and we will be reviewing the apropos next chapter of the Cadmus arc, as you said, Cal, featuring that character or featuring as, he's, as he used to be known, Captain Marvel, not that one, uh, in, uh, in, in the episode Clash. We get to see uh, another chapter in the Lex Luthor, Cadmus, Superman, uh, ongoing struggle 
and uh, and get back to some of what is probably the best storytelling in any of these DCAU series. So very excited to check that out next week. Yeah, that's uh, that's one of uh, on the original like watch through of these episodes. That was always one of my favorites. I thought it was really cool. We finally got to see Captain Marvel in animation form. We'll talk a little bit of, uh, next week about some of the things that hampered him from being used prior to this, and uh, and and uh, some of the uh, the things that go along with the history of the Captain Marvel character. Cannot wait to discuss that episode with you. But until then, I'm Cal, and I'm Liam. And we will talk to you on that next episode of the DCAU Review. Bye-bye.